Welcome to GRE Snacks, snackable episodes about the GRE exam and graduate school admissions. I'm Tyler, the founder of Achievable, and we have an affordable GRE course that includes everything you need to ace your GRE exam. Full textbook, tons of GRE questions that are backed by our memory-enhancing algorithm, and full-length practice exams. You can try it out for free by visiting achievable.me, and if you like it, the code podcast will get you 10% off at checkout. Now, let's get started. Today, we've got Oren Margulis on the line with us from Pine Tree and Palm Consulting. Oren, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your company? Yeah, happy to, and thanks for having me, Tyler. Um, so again, uh, Oren Margolis, and I run a very small uh, boutique admissions consulting firm called Pine Tree and Palm Consulting. When I say boutique, I mean, it's just me, so what you hear is what you get. Um, my experience is, is pretty broad and spans a variety of different industries, including uh, HR, entertainment, fintech, real estate, a whole bunch of others. Um, but I spent uh, the bulk of my time working in undergrad and MBA admissions at NYU Stern, um, where I also got my MBA. Um, after doing a couple of things after that, um, I decided to circle back and uh, start a, a very small admissions consulting firm where I work primarily with MBA students, our MBA uh, prospective students both for full-time, part-time, and executive MBA programs, as well as uh, grad students applying to uh, a couple of other adjacent type programs as well. Um, so that's a little tidbit about me, and uh, happy to be here. Yeah, fantastic. And so today we're going to talk about when you're doing the MBA process, admissions process, excuse me, um, there's a lot of things that sort of you could do, right? I mean, there's kind <laughs> of the basics are... Uh, you got to research your school list. You've got to um, get a good GRE or GMAT score. Uh, you've got to, you know, do like spruce up your resume. Uh, you've got to also maybe, uh, I don't know if pad your resume is the right word, but like, you know, do activities that like will contribute to your resume. Got to use it uh, as a, as a right marketing document, right? <laughs> Yeah, like, you know, um, maybe a month or or maybe even a couple of years before, like, you know, doing things like that. Um, I don't know how much last minute really helps. And then there's, of course, writing the essays, doing the applications. And so I, I'm curious, like, out of all these different things, do you want to maybe talk through this, like, what sort of percentage of your total time should you be looking at? Or maybe it's more like you start a year in advance or six months in advance and you should spend this much time on X and this much time on Y or, or things like that. Like, how do you, how do you want to break down like the best way to allocate your time and yeah. your effort on this? Well, if it's okay, I'll do a little preamble to that because where I find people, sure. uh, where I find people under index the most is on figuring out why they want to get an MBA in the first place. And honestly, like, when folks come into an MBA admissions process, not knowing what they want to do with their MBA or why they want to get an MBA in the first place, what their career goals are, um, some of those like main goals of attending business school that, by the way, they'll be articulating over and over and over and over again throughout the admissions process and interview process and when they get to business school, um, without that nailed down, everything just becomes so much harder, like so much harder. Um, so I always encourage folks to really do that soul searching and do that pre-work. So even before like crafting an MBA list or uh, starting work on an application, I'm able to ask you, 
So like, why are you getting an MBA and what are your goals afterwards? And you should be able to like rattle that off pretty well. And it doesn't mean that you have to have all the answers. Most people don't, but it means that you should be able to have like a pretty good set of what those possibilities might be career-wise after going to business school. So that's my little preamble. Uh, hopefully that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think it's great. Um, and then what so, all, and so then yeah, in terms of like the jump other, right into the rest of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the other pieces, um, of the process, there's a lot of them, right? Like there's figuring out your school list, there's testing, there's, um, getting together your letters of recommendation. There's working on the actual application itself. Um, I do think that, you know, like, I hate to say this, it's my least favorite thing to say, but like investing time, effort and energy on, uh, on the test is generally a pretty good use of time. Um, it's really mm -hmm. hard for other stuff to follow when you don't know where you stand academically. So, you know, how do I craft a meaningful school list if I don't know where I'm academically competitive and if I may or may not get in? Like, who should I start networking with if I, like, legitimately don't know where I might fall on that admissibility scale? So I do think that in terms of prioritization, that's a good first thing to do to just get a sense of where you might land, even if you're first sitting, mm -hmm. even if you know that there's still runway after your first sitting, just to know like, okay, I got a 690 on my first sitting of the G GMAT. Like I could probably get 30 points higher. So I'm going in with a 720. Let me now start crafting my school list. Um, so I think sequentially, that's always a good first place to start. And then in parallel, doing a lot of talking and networking um, and, and research up front for different, uh, to explore the different types of programs, especially as they relate to uh, career goals. That's, that's generally where I recommend starting. Right. I would also just like, as sort of throwing in some uh, extra uh, feedback, I guess, on that is first and foremost is uh, that be realistic about how much you can actually increase your score. Yeah. Increasing your GMAT score 30 or 40 points is, I, I don't want to say typical, but it's doable. Yeah. Um, increasing your GMAT score 100 points is not generally very common. Yeah. Right. So it's it it's a lot of work. So I would really um I would really just say like don't don't just be like okay well I mean I got a 660 I'm just gonna increase my GMAT score 80 points and then apply to Stanford and it'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's it's hard to do that. Um, That's a great you point. You can, and but it's yeah. Yeah. People's eye, like I don't know if this is the right um, phrase, but people's eyes tend to be bigger than their stomach, or people really do overestimate the amount that they can improve. And like, never say never. Definitely give yourself the chance and the ability to do that. But if that means like that could the trade off for that could be okay. Like I might need a year to actually do that, or I might need six months mm -hmm. to actually do that. So that can affect your. Uh, you know, your, your whole application timeline as well. So being really realistic about what it takes to get your score to where you want or need it to be in order to get your desired outcomes um, is, is like very important in this process. And also like, yeah. also to that point, like knowing when your score is good enough to go where you want to go and then moving on, like, you know, if you've got, if you score a 750 on your GMAT, like, do I need to spend three more months to get a 760? My answer would be no, you're better off investing that time, effort, energy, let's be honest, mental health in doing other stuff mm -hmm. and working on your essays and, you know, having a good life outside of studying for the test, um, you know, to, to really be successful. Like it, it's, it's not always worth it to, 
put in like all the all of that um, blood, sweat, and tears for an incremental result. Right. Yeah. So then let's talk about sort of. Oh, um, actually, before that, I wanted to get to the second part of my my point also, which you were talking about interviews and. Yeah. I think it's also just really important to remember that like you need to figure out if you actually want to go to these places like you you say you do uh because of the name probably but like w- will you like it right like is U Penn Wharton a great school like absolutely is it for everybody probably not yeah is Stanford a great school like yes is <laughs> is it for everybody also probably not so yeah i see really, a lot of people um, for example that's like a key like, piece of it Dartmouth Tuck, for example, is a wonderful school, like really great school, top of many lists, all that kind of thing. But like, if you step foot in Hanover, New Hampshire, and it's the winter, and you're like, oh, I can't deal with this. And by the way, it's a pretty small student body. Like, if that's not going to work for you, it's not going to work for you. So understanding what those levers are, um, and how they tie into your professional, but also like personal goals and like, you know, what do you want to get out of the next two years of business school? Um, Like really taking the time to hash that out and talk to students at alumni um, and attend all of the programs um, that these schools run for prospective students. Like that is, that is, in my opinion, time extremely well spent um, because you're investing both in your, you know, in your professional future, but also in the next two years of your life. So really understanding like what you're getting yourself into um, and what that feels like viscerally. I I talk a lot about ethos in the admissions process. Um, And by the way, doing that, it's actually going to help your application a lot because every single school has some flavor of the question, why do you want to go to our school? And the answer, well, you're number five on the U S news and world report list is like not a good answer. (laughs) Um, And and even right. you have this course, this course, and this course, it's also like an okay answer, but an answer that talks about the ethos of a student body um, and the ethos of a campus. Like that's actually an answer to an essay prompt that that really pops and really feels genuine and authentic. Like if you can't feel genuine and authentic, you're probably not ready to apply or excited enough to apply to that school. Yeah. And I also think that um, if you go in an essay and you say, you know, when I spoke with, uh, you know, current MBA student Bob and he told me about this, I thought that was really exciting. Right. Yeah. Like that's going to, I think, make a big impact, too. So I, I think that's yeah. all really good advice. Totally. Um, yeah. So then now that we've kind of we've kind of covered those things. uh what else would is sort of worth your time or how do you allocate you know now i would say yeah maybe we've done the gre gmat prep it's, that took kind of three months maybe six and you've done your research and you're kind of doing those two things two things in parallel like what's next and kind of how do you separate that out yeah i mean uh resume work is always something like you can do your resume first or you can do it in parallel with the rest of the process i i think you know, after those things are locked down, you have a school list in mind, you pretty much have a, like, know finally what that's going to look like, you know, your career goals. Um, I see a number of um, prospective students that spend a lot of time brainstorming and like looking at essay questions and thinking about them and like really doing like a ton of pre-work. And that works for some people um, and really allows them to put their best foot forward. 
I generally say though, like dive right into it. Like, let's go, right? Um, and everyone knows themselves differently. This is where I can't give one size fits all advice because some people work well under pressure. Some people are planners. I'm a planner. I think most people do well when they leave a little bit of space between when they start and when the application deadlines are. But, you know, let's get rocking and rolling. Like, let's write, the, the first essay is always the hardest to write, like by far. Um, and then after that, everyone become every, every single essay becomes incrementally easier. Um, generally in MBA land, there are, you know, each school has their own unique essay, but a lot of the schools ask some flavor of similar essays, which is basically why this school, why now, what are your career goals? Um, like that kind of stuff. Um, so the first time you're articulating that is going to feel a little awkward. It's going to feel clunky. Uh, it's going to take probably a couple, a bunch of different drafts and iterations. And then after you start the first one, you'll be able to go much more quickly um, through subsequent uh, subsequent rounds of edits um, and 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 other prompts. Um, at the same time, you should still be continuing to be talking to students, be talking to alumni, visiting campuses, visiting programs, um, and doing all that due diligence. And also the other thing um, to do that maybe you've already done or maybe you haven't is gathering letters of recommendation and prepping your recommenders um, in advance for when they'll need to submit their letters. Um, the best way to do that is to have an in-person or Zoom, like a, an, a live conversation with that recommender and prep them on why you're applying to business school, um, what your goals are, and some strengths that you'd like them to touch on in their recommendation. The why is really important because for a lot of folks, they're looking to make a career pivot in business school. And so it's important for your recommender to understand what you're striving toward so that they can write about that in, in their letter, um, not just what they have seen you do. Right. Yeah. And I think that um, it's also just like, you know, whoever this is, this probably should be or, or is like your direct manager. Um, I, I think that basically they're busy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it's yeah. important to kind of get ahead of that and like get kind of um, on their radar before it really becomes an issue. Yeah, absolutely. And like, look, like it, it's not always your direct supervisor because sometimes that dynamic's not, you know, it's not possible to ask a direct supervisor to be your recommender and, and business schools understand that. Um, but yeah, to your point, Tyler, it's like everyone's super busy. A lot of MBA hopefuls work in fairly demanding jobs, uh, fairly fast paced jobs. And, you know, your boss is kind of, or your recommender, whoever it is, is doing you a solid. So be respectful of their time. At the same time, also know that business schools understand that dynamic of people who are writing these recommendations tend to be busy and doing someone a solid. Um, so, you know, while having a really thoughtful, um, in-depth, uh, effusive letter of recommendation is always going to reflect well on a candidate, it's not always realistic for every letter of recommendation and, and schools know that. Right. Great. And then um, as you're kind of getting down to the last, you know, month or so, anything special to think about? Yeah, I mean, we touched on um, interview just a bit. And so my advice is like a little contrarian with interview prep. Um, and again, like, you know yourself the best, you know, if you're a good interviewer or a nervous interviewer or a really confident interviewer. Um, 
at this stage of the game, if you've done everything right, you should know yourself very well. You should know your story very well because you've been writing about it in detail through all of you know the essays you've been working on. You've done that pre-work to know why you want to get an MBA, why now, what your career goals are. So honestly, like articulating all of that stuff and, and you've done your research on your schools, so you know why you love them. Um, you've done all that pre-work, so you should be able to articulate these kinds of things that are common interview questions kind of like off the tip of your tongue, right? Um, Mm-hmm. To that end, you know, I think some interview prep is important. Usually I'll conduct like one prep session um, with a client and that's generally enough. Like doing too much uh, scripting or preparation can take some of the authenticity out of an interview, especially if you have legitimate reasons for applying in the first place. You have the credentials to back up your candidacy. You want to go to the school that you're applying to. Um, the interview is not an exercise in like gotcha. Um, it's an exercise in really trying to make a case for, for you as a candidate. So, uh, meaning the interviewer trying to make a case for you as a candidate. Um, so I say prep, don't over prep for an interview. Um, spending some time, uh, either with, uh, alumni, current students prepping, a lot of folks will offer to do that. Um, other MBAs, an admissions consultant, friends and family, like whatever that might look like is a good use of time. But I, I generally recommend to not hit it too hard, especially if you're a decent interviewer to begin with. Great. And then, yeah, any other sort of parting thoughts on this topic? No, I mean, I think I think time management um, is always like it's always individualized. It's all it always can be a little tricky. It often works out differently than you expect at the outset. So build in plenty of cushion up front, like all the stuff we talked about, you know, I I say, take all the stuff we talked about and do that, um, like work backwards, um, because all those things require some lead time. Um, So be realistic about that, be realistic about potential stumbles in the road that can come up. Um, Mm -hmm. Know when is good enough to move on and when you really do need to stop and fixate, like when an essay is really just like not popping the way it should and that feels like a liability. Um, and I'll reiterate that work up front and really solidifying the why and the reason and the benefit, it'll pay so many dividends, um, when you're really in the meat of the process. Fantastic. Thank you so much. This has been Jiri Snacks hosted by Tyler from Achievable with Oren Margulis from Pine Tree and Palm Consulting. Achievable has a great online Jiri course you can try for free at Achievable.me and use the code podcast to get 10% off at checkout.